You're listening to Fueling the Future of Transport, hosted by Tammy Klein, the founder and CEO of Transport Energy Strategies. We'll talk all about the fuels and energy it takes to keep the world moving forward. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show today. I am super, super excited to have with me Kostov Sinha. He's the Director for Strategic Partnerships for Chevron. And we're going to talk low carbon fuels, low carbon strategy, and uh, Chevron's renewable gasoline product. You may have seen the news about the Chevron-Toyota collaboration, a tour around the South, around the the Louisiana uh, area um, for their renewable gasoline project. And we're going to get into all of that. Kostov, welcome to the program. Thanks, Tammy, for having me. It's great to have you. So, before we get into renewable gasoline, can we first like take a step back and can you talk to us about Chevron's lower carbon uh, strategy in general? Thanks, Tammy. Glad to do that. Uh, at Chevron, we believe the future of energy is lower carbon, uh, but energy needs to be reliable and affordable too. What that means is we are pursuing many new and different ideas and technologies at the same time while reducing the carbon intensity of our current operations. For example, our chairman talks about our upstream assets like our Leviathan project based on Mediterranean, our recent acquisition announcement of our PDC energy in financial terms, of course. But in the same breath, he also talks about how these are reducing our carbon intensity. These are lower carbon assets than others that we might have otherwise developed, and that is intentional. So our strategy is clear, leverage our strengths, to safely deliver lower carbon energy to a growing world. What that means is focusing on two key areas. The first one is making sure we're reducing the carbon intensity of our operations. We call it the portfolio carbon intensity reduction, uh, lowering the carbon density of our assets, prioritizing the projects that return the largest reduction in carbon emissions at the lowest cost to customers and society. We have set some targets and aspirations. I would highly recommend your listeners to go into chevron.com to, to read more about it. The second one is investing in lower carbon technologies. That is to enable commercial solutions, which we believe will also generate attractive returns and cash flows while leveraging our capabilities and operations to advance technologies such as renewable fuels, carbon capture, and hydrogen. And to support all of this lower carbon strategy, we are deploying $10 billion towards that, $2 billion in carbon reduction projects, and $8 billion in lower carbon investments, I mentioned earlier, by 2028. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I recommend your listeners to go to the website. There's much more detail towards it, uh, talking about our recently announced uh, uh, public corporate sustainability reports and, and many other information. So... Can you talk a little more specifically about the renewable gasoline product uh, itself? What is it for the listeners who may not be familiar? Tammy, I'm really excited to talk about renewable gasoline, (laughs) as you can imagine, right? Uh, But in a very, very concise way, in a very simple way, Chevron's renewable gasoline blend is a mix of renewable components and traditional petroleum blend stocks contains more than 50% renewable components and delivers a carbon intensity reduction of more than 40% compared to traditional gasoline on a life cycle basis. Mm -hmm. Our fuel is a drop-in solution, meaning it can be produced using today's infrastructure 
and it can be put in today's vehicles, allowing virtually all of us to be a part of the solution. As you know, Tammy, as a reference, every gasoline is a blend of multiple components. Right? Mm-hmm. So this blend yep. is partially renewable, and we have worked with Toyota in partnership to develop uh, this product and also test this product before we deploy that in the field. So it has great performance and also environmentally friendly. It also builds on our expertise in biofeedstock processing and biofuel production uh, to create renewable gasoline blends, uh, builds on our existing experience in low carbon fuels, including biomass-based diesel and sustainable aviation fuel. We developed this option over the past year or so uh, and have demonstrated it recently to the public. We have not yet commercialized as uh, we're still working through it. There are some important hurdles yet to be taken care of, but we believe these kind of fuels can play a crucial role in reducing the carbon intensity from the transportation sector, providing policy framework. Right. So how does, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the, the, the policy, the framework, policy framework as it pertains to um, renewable gasoline, this product, and um, in general, the the overall uh, gasoline pool in general, light duty fleet. Um, but first, I want to ask how Chevron views this product, renewable gasoline in general, as an alternative to electrification. Can you talk a little bit about that, or a complement to electrification, even? That's a question we get uh, quite a bit. Um, let me start by saying Chevron is technology neutral. What it means is Chevron is supportive of multiple technologies that can help reduce uh, transportation emissions while meeting the energy needs of a growing planet. Right? So if you look, think about it, more than 95% of light-duty vehicles on the road in the United States today rely on gasoline fuel. Right? This equates to about 265 million gasoline-powered vehicles in the U.S., we believe that renewable gasoline blends can play an important role in reducing the life cycle carbon intensity of gasoline-powered vehicles. Thinking in another way, uh, we have about 1.3 billion light-duty vehicles on global roads today, you know, generally with a lifespan of 10, 15, or even 20 years. They are being replaced by other uh, internal combustion engines right now, and that will continue for a decade or two. If that holds up, even with significant new battery electric vehicle adoption, fuels like the renewable gasoline plant will be a pathway to decarbonize these vehicles. So in a nutshell, we need all solutions, multiple solutions in this decarbonization pathway. So can you talk about how the Chevron-Toyota partnership came about and especially the, the road trip? And tell us, how did it go? You know, what were the consumers reactions um, and policymakers' reactions when Chevron and Toyota interacted uh, with these folks. You had this whole cool sort of mobile sort of, um, I don't know what you call it, display, then, you know, and people could kind of touch and feel and see and talk and do. So what was all that like for you guys? First of all, I would say the Chevron-Toyota partnership is, is, is built by people, right? There's been people between the two corporations, many, many of them from different functions coming together and making this happen. But let me take a step back in how Chevron is thinking around this and how we came in partnership with Toyota. As you all know, transportation accounts for approximately 27% of total U.S. emissions. Uh, as I said before, Chevron believes the future of energy is lower carbon, 
and that multiple solutions will be needed to reduce the carbon emissions of the transportation sector. And for that, we believe strategic partnership with automotive companies, uh, you know, OEMs, uh, original equipment manufacturers are really key to developing and deploying these lower carbon solutions. Uh, many of our low carbon fuels uh, that are used in hard to electrify parts of the mm -hmm. transportation segment, like trucking, rail, and marine, mm -hmm. we have deployed solutions there. But we have been thinking and searching for ways to reduce the carbon intensity for the gasoline-powered vehicles uh, that most of us drive on a daily basis. Uh, especially in that aspect, we collaborated with Toyota for the last couple of years to bring together some of the best minds in fuel and powertrain technologies to develop lower carbon solutions. Our April Renewable Gasoline Blend demo with Toyota is an output from that collaboration which can leverage today's vehicles and infrastructure to help reduce the carbon intensity of the transportation sector. The demonstration with Toyota further builds on existing efforts that we have between the two corporations where we are undertaking the use of hydrogen as a transportation fuel. Mm -hmm. The feedback from the demo was exhilarating, I would say, in, a, in, a, like, in lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. The one-week road trip started from Canton, Mississippi, and covered 1,000 miles across the U.S. Gulf Coast, making stops at Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Houston, and Plano, Texas, engaging various stakeholders from the local communities. Three different Toyota in-production vehicles, RAV4, Camry, and Tundra, that some of you guys saw in pictures, mm -hmm. uh, powered by hybrid powertrain technologies, were used for this road trip. The goal of this demo, uh, when we were discussing with Toyota, was to create awareness around renewable gasoline blend. And this is not the first and the only demo. There'll be subsequent uh, activities to make sure that we, we help people understand this pathway to decarbonization. The demo captured something in the public imagination too. We had some glowing media coverage um, mm -hmm. of the trip because journalists and public are deeply interested in reducing carbon intensity from today's technology. Uh, there are some stereotypes that battery electric vehicles are expensive and can be only afforded by a certain segment of the society. Mm -hmm. uh, hopefully that will change, uh, but right now most car buyers are still buying combustion engines, and that's a fact. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it but is. Those cars will be in service, as I said before, 10, 15, or even 20 years. Mm -hmm. So what do we do in the interim to cut the carbon intensity? We cannot wait, right? So how do we avoid leaving, uh, you know, different segments? How do we bring everybody together in reducing the carbon intensity of these vehicles right now? Uh, and so we thought about renewable gasoline blend, put that together, and then finally, uh, we believe that the, the renewable gasoline blend can help answer uh, not only for many Americans, but also many drivers around the world who are driving and buying these little combustion engines. I think it was really a brilliant um, move on Chevron's and Toyota's part to actually go and and do this. Um, I hope there'll be be other road trips because I think there is a there's a vacuum of I don't know leadership and also you know consumers sort of seeing alternatives and seeing you know uh, being able to interact with people to see it to feel it to talk to people to learn to uh, to see um, other alternatives. You know, they may not be ready for BEV, but they might really care about sustainability and cutting their their carbon emissions. And so this gives this is gives another 
alternative and an entree um, into that. And, you know, the one person that we really associate a lot with electric vehicles is really Elon Musk. And then, but on the fuel side, there's all these great things that are going on in low carbon fuels. Um, this renewable gasoline product being a, a great example from the feedstocks to, um, you know, to the actual production. And there's just a giant vacuum. So I think it's great to like get out there and show people what the options are. Correct. I I, I completely agree. It's just, uh, and that's what the thought process was that right now on the light duty segment, there are no options other than uh, the battery electric vehicles. So the idea was for the two organizations to come together and figure out what can we do to develop a technology that could uh, be used and deployed for current uh, vehicles, ice engines, and right. how can we decarbonize that? Yeah. So, when might we see the product at the at the pump? What's sort of the next steps when it comes to you? You said that there are hurdles, there are there are things that need to be worked out. What would be the time frame? When might we see a product like this at, at the pump? What are the next steps in terms of commercialization? Again, a great question. We got this question also during our road trip. <laughs> um, and just in a nutshell, uh, you know, as, you, as I said, Chevron recently developed several formulations of renewable gasoline blend uh, based on the technical advances that we have seen in the industry and put together. Um, so we are producing the fuels in limited quantities uh, for testing and dem demonstration purposes. Having proven the, uh, the carbon reduction potential renewable gasoline blend, our focus is now on securing the policy enablement needed to bring this emerging technology to broad commercial scale. Um, there are important tax policy considerations as we push to commercialize and market these kinds of fuel blends. Right now, as you know, California provides incentives for the kinds of biofuels that make uh, you know RGP so effective, but even there, it's more about renewable and biodiesel more than gasoline. So we need to level that playing field uh, to make uh, renewable gasoline blend competitive with other options in the market. Having said that, as I said, we'll continue to do small-scale demonstration, uh, test the market, uh, get some feedback, uh, while we focus on uh, securing some policy enablement to drive the so I want to talk about, about that a little bit. So first of all, what's been the government reaction to the renewable gasoline blend, both in California, where Chevron is, is headquartered and really serves the, the market there, and also at the, at the federal level? And, and how concerned uh, is Chevron about, you know, whether the product gets a shot in the market, whether you get that uh, policy enablement when the focus, you know, at least of the current administration is so heavily on electrification. Um, government officials in states where we demonstrated renewable gasoline blend were really enthusiastic about it, uh, although those were admittedly energy producing states in the Gulf Coast. Uh, we introduced the demo the same week as the Biden administration state by rule. Right. Uh, we can't say what that result of that process will be, uh, but we firmly believe we can achieve carbon intensity reductions using liquid fuels and our existing infrastructure. Battery electric vehicles are an answer for some consumers. Others would like to still stick with internal combustion engines. So we think that market should decide 
what the technology would consumers want. So what's been the reaction? I mean, you just talked about, you just brought up the, the tailpipe standards, which, yeah, ironically, I don't know if you planned that, they planned that, or if that was just a really interesting that. coincidence. Um, but but it was interesting that, you know, it's it's so uh, so telling, like here are these two sort of sort of pathways coming together, you know, in, a, in one one week. What's been the reaction um, uh, by Chevron to these new uh, tailpipe standards that 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 EPA says will lead to 54 to 60 per, 67 percent of um, EV sales by by 2032? You know, and, and again, how do you see the market development growing? Is is the answer to um, you know, in, in my view, an answer an answer would be for me to you know, we have we have successful state clean fuel standard programs. Perhaps that's a pathway in some of these states um, that haven't uh, put one in place yet that are interested, you know, maybe not really feeling <laughs> the 100% electrification, but seeing the opportunities to achieve carbon reductions from uh, the transport side of the equation to offer policies like that. Do you see that uh, as a pathway? And and how concerned are you all about uh, those tailpipe standards? So, Tammy, we, we do not believe the rules are the best way to reduce carbon dioxide intensity, and the proposals have significant efficiencies which need to be addressed before they are finalized, in our view. First, these rules would undermine consumer choice, as I mentioned before, uh, yeah. and big winners among the technology improvements. Uh, what we believe is accounting for life cycle emissions, not just steel pipe metrics, is more appropriate and more robust count for carbon intensity. Uh, we have talked in the past about setting carbon standards, carbon price, and let market forces uh, work towards environmental Battery electric vehicles, as I said, are great in some markets and for some consumers, but not for all. Uh, it's not like one size fits all. Uh, the rule as proposed require massive investment, as we all know, right? Mm -hmm. So including metals. Uh, now, having said that, the ICE infrastructure is there. Uh, the liquid fuel infrastructure is there. Uh, I think renewable gasoline blend provides another pathway. To, to decarbonize with the current infrastructure and the current vehicle. So is the support offered in the Inflation Reduction Act? There were a number of incentives, everything from increasing carbon capture and storage credit, which I see as very key for further lowering the carbon in uh, really conventional fuels, but also in uh, low and no carbon fuels. You can create a no carbon fuel through the use of carbon capture, you know, green hydrogen, renewable electricity, but there also was a clean fuel production uh, tax credit. Are those types of enablements um, kind of enough? If, if not, you talk about policy enablement. What other kinds of policies do you see as, as being, being needed? I'm glad, Tammy, you, you asked that question. So in, in a very simple nutshell, uh, in, a, in a simple format, uh, we support market-based mechanisms that promote lowering the carbon intensity of fuels. Uh, additionally, feedstock flexibility is critical to growing the supply of lower carbon intensity 
biofuels. Our policy should also support the co-processing of traditional and biofeedstocks. Uh, limits on ethanol blending in certain jurisdictions could be increased to maximize carbon intensity reduction. Uh, policy should also utilize a full life cycle approach when contemplating the carbon reduction benefits of transportation alternatives. Uh, the specific policy constraints uh, you know, renewable uh, naphtha that is produced using co-processing would not qualify for federal excise tax, tax credits. It also would not uh, generate federal blenders tax credits when used as a gasoline feedstock. Uh, California tax credits would not accrue to renewable naphtha. Uh, so these are some of the constraints that we need to look into. So any final comments or thoughts? You've been working on this project for quite some time. It's pretty unique. It's going to continue. Any final thoughts or comments you want to add? These are exciting times for all of us. Tammy, you have been in this industry for a <laughs> The best of times and the worst of times. <laughs> correct, correct. So I tell folks who are joining the industry, this cannot be a better time. Um, there can't be a better time than now to join this energy industry because we yeah, need Yeah, it's very exciting. Time. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I would say Chevron has a long history. As you know, we've, for over 140 years, we've been offering a portfolio of energy solutions to society needs. Uh, our culture is built around people, partnerships, and performance. Uh, it's not something new. Uh, and we are well positioned to lead through this uh, energy transition. Renewable gasoline blend demonstration was just one such example. I mean, you have, if you go to our website, you can see multiple different examples across the entire portfolio yeah, where we are yeah. lowering the carbon intensity and growing new businesses, as I mentioned. So what I would say is we need to continue to learn from our past, uh, plan for the future, but most importantly, act now what is in our control. Uh, and we believe working collaboratively, collaboratively fuel producers and innovators in the automotive, agricultural, and technology sectors can promote adoption of these low-carbon technologies like renewable gas. So, Kostov, thank you so much for joining the show to, to talk to us about this initiative, and I look forward to uh, continuing to follow it, follow it and to have you back as things develop. Thank you so much, Tammy, Tammy for having me. You've been listening to Fueling the Future of Transport. This show is hosted and edited by Tammy Klein, produced by Carolyn Schneer, and engineered by Alexander Nikolic. To hear more great episodes of this show, learn more, and sign up for a free bi-weekly newsletter, visit transportenergystrategies.com.